Okay, good evening or good afternoon. It's actually only afternoon here. But this is uh, our Saturday session and the goal here is to make it more accessible for Europeans and maybe Asians as well, though that might be pushing it. I have a message here, someone saying they're going to sleep and they want to make more questions and answers for Europeans which I thought this was for, so maybe this doesn't even it doesn't yet cut it if uh, 3pm Eastern Time is still not still not early enough for Europeans I'll have to think of something else. Maybe we could do it even earlier. So I'm alone today again. I was expecting to have company, but that's the thing about expectations. Don't cling to them. You never know what's going to happen. It's fine, I'm here by myself. Being alone. Being alone can be a great thing. Sometimes we don't realize how great it is to be alone. We feel lonely or spend our time alone craving things that connect us with others. Wasting our alone time. There's a great deal we can accomplish when we're alone because of the focus of the mind on itself. Capacity to better ourselves is greatly increased because we're not distracted by the affairs of others or external affairs. But I'm not alone. I'm with all of you. And I am focused on your affairs today. So here's how this goes. If you're new, if this is new to you, close your eyes. Take this as a meditation. We're here to be mindful together. Start to become aware of your experiences, physical, mental, internal, external. Become aware of everything you experience. And try and see it just as it is. We use this mantra, a word to remind ourselves of the nature of what we're experiencing to keep us focused on its bare reality without judgment or reaction or extrapolation. If you have a question, we're also here to engage in a question and answer session so you ask, I will answer 
If you have a question, open your eyes. Type the question out, paste it in the chat, copy it into the chat. Type it into the chat and then send it. Once you've sent it, you can close your eyes again. I'll be posting the questions, so if you can't, if you didn't catch one of them, what I said, you can read it as well. But when you're not reading the question, just close your eyes. There should be no chatting in the chat. In the chat, it's not really chat. It's not really for chatting. Close your eyes and continue to meditate. Continue with mindfulness. have the discord i forgot about that i was expecting to have someone i don't know if i even have discord on here we're set up here in the hall to do a live session i don't have i don't have a discord set up Saturdays we're doing it at 3 p.m. Oh, well, they did. Now they don't. Well, they're there, apparently. But I'm trying to do this this way. They've come. chatting with them so here's Shraddha now we hadn't done I hadn't done a good job communicating just fine we slowly get our act together okay so I changed the way it works a little bit you can switch to the question one although the question's an old question so and then once you switch to the question, you shouldn't have to do anything else. It's, they should both be the question then. Do you see that? You click yep. the transition. Yep. Have you, you have not answered this question? That's the last week's question. That's Wednesday's question. When I do not do the noting, thinking, 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 
it becomes wanting. It seems every second I'm not noting like this, I'm creating. Is the low noting I'm doing even worth anything? Is the what? The little, the little noting I'm doing even mm. worth anything? Yes, any noting, any recognition and cultivation of clarity of mind is, is worth has, has, it has great worth you should note wanting as well thinking, if you're thinking a lot say distracted, try and note the state of distraction of the mind So there is the next question, it's kind of related, but it's not a question, it just says, um, I'd like to hear your views on the five hindrances, please. Hmm. Well, you can read the booklet, it talks about them. I have to give a more specific question. But that's fine. I mean, the answer is go read the booklet, or read, um, yeah, read the booklet. There's not really much to say about them. They are what they are. There's much more to be done about learning about them for yourself. You want to learn about the five hindrances. Mm. You have to learn for yourself. I can't tell you. No one can tell you. Go learn. If you become aware by mindfulness and need to make a decision, the mindfulness alone does not deal with making the decision itself correct. Itself correct? The mindfulness it alone does not deal with making the decision right. itself. Right. Mindfulness won't give you the answer per se. It will help to make your mind clearer. Generally, you should just go with whatever you understand to be the right decision. And the thing is that mindfulness helps you make that decision and helps you purify the mind processes that make decisions you shouldn't be waiting or expecting for the right answer to come to you you should try and use your other faculties of reflection and so on to come to the right answer and don't expect mindfulness to do that but expect mindfulness to make that process more clear help you see when you're making decisions based on greed or anger or delusion. What you should see is that, you see is that you're much better at making decisions as a result, that the right answer or better answers come to you much quicker. The next question, it says, I apologize if this is in your booklets. I try equanimity and detachment. When I try equanimity and detachment, I find I become uncompassionate. When I try to become compassionate, it leads to attachment. Any help, please? 
Well, don't try to become compassionate, try to be mindful. You'll find compassion comes from that. If you just try to be compassionate, it's much more ego-based and attachment-based. It's, it's fake, generally. I mean, it's forced. You can't... It, it's like trying to be a nice person. You can't try to be a nice person. Either you are a nice person or you're not. And then how do you be a nice person? You know, really the way to become a nice person is not trying to be nice. It's trying to... It's getting rid of all the things that are obstacles to being nice. All of the cruelties, all of the evils in the mind that make you not... that make you uncompassionate, that make you... Um, unkind so mindfulness shouldn't do that to you mindfulness will um, bring you closer to reactions you'll find yourself reacting to things and you won't be running away from them so you find that sometimes you get quite focused on them and caught up in your own problems it can appear that you're uncompassionate but really it's not like that you're just trying to deal with your own um, unwholesome mind state so you might be unhappy when you first start to meditate and, un and unpleasant to be around for example because you're dealing sometimes with some very serious conditions in meditation it might feel like you're uncompassionate you're really just dealing with your own problems so that's why you know help yourself before you help others because either you just you're faking it or else Or else you get it all wrong and you hurt others. You, you you appear to be unkind to others because you're hurting. Heal yourself first. This is not exactly about meditation, it's about the precepts, but it's about the five. So, is killing mosquitoes and insects wrong? Also, is eating egg wrong? Yes, killing insects is against the five precepts. It's evil and cruel and uncompassionate. Um, eggs is a little more complicated. No, eating them is not. Um, but if you if you cook eggs that are fertilized, that, that's killing. That's unkind. Bhante someone says, thank you for everything. Your booklets, your booklet and your teachings have changed my life over the past few years and I'm very grateful. What does it mean to practice mindfulness of Dhamma, the fourth foundation? What do we see, say, or we think about the five aggregates or four noble truths and so on? Um, practically just focus on the five hindrances and the six senses. So liking, disliking, drowsiness, distraction, doubt, and seeing, hearing, smelling, tasting, feeling, thinking. Those are the most clear the rest are more what you're going to see along the way, what's going to develop along the way. Of course, there's some of them you can note, 
but like the five aggregates is really more of the something theoretically that you know about and then it, it puts everything in perspective because it's one of the first sort of truths that you start to see is that really there's only the physical and the mental there's no person or being you don't have to you certainly don't have to think about these things while you're meditating that's not helpful at all This question is also not exactly about um, meditation, but I've learned from non-Buddhist sources to identify as the constant awareness in all experiences. Does Buddhist meditation allow a similar thinking? Learn from non-Buddhist sources what? Um, identify awareness in all experiences constant awareness well, that's, I mean it's a fairly general statement and it's easy to say I recommend reading our booklet and trying out that technique you might find it more more powerful if you, you know you might if you do then try it but I can't really comment on general statements about Know, just being aware of all that I mean it sounds very much like a, some sort of state of enlightenment but you know it's easy to say do this do that be like this be like that if it's just a general statement like that there's not really any concrete steps to become like that to avoid any kind of delusion or partiality or so on the technique we teach is, is a concrete practice to achieve a sort of objectivity or clarity I've experienced that everything is a state of mind and it changes uncontrollably. Also, I see that this knowledge can be forgotten and there's no way I can control it. Do we have any control? No, don't try to control it. But if you keep practicing and you see more clearly, eventually the mind lets go. When the mind lets go, that, that's, that doesn't go away really true and complete experience of release that changes you being very aware during the day and during meditation do you actually see with the voice in your head walking walking or breathing in breathing out or are you just aware of present without label? Use the mantra, it's a useful tool. Is it normal to feel pain in the head during the mindfulness meditation? Like feeling physical vibrations in the brain or feeling of heavy headache. We're not in the business of saying what is normal and what is not normal. If it, experience, if it arises and you experience it, apply the technique to remind yourself it is what it is. Let it come, let it go. 
when it's gone, go back to the rising and falling of the stomach or whatever your object is. Have you ever meditated facing a blank wall with eyes slightly open? Is this not better because it resists sleepiness? If you feel sleepy, you should note that you're sleepy. You shouldn't try to find ways to avoid it. It can be quite beneficial to have to wrestle with difficult, challenging states. We only meditated when everything was perfect, or in a way that made everything perfect. We've never really learned how to deal mindfully and objectively with difficult abnormal uh, unpredict no what uh, uncommon states abnormal states i've always had trouble with laziness i'm practicing according to your instructions at least an hour a day will this solve the problem or should i do other things in addition to practicing no, that's great. Do an hour a day, do two hours a day. But also, yeah, I mean, one other thing is to be mindful when you're not meditating. Mindful of the postures. Mindful of the senses. Another thing you could do is take our at-home meditation course and get some support from a teacher because even just having the connection, apart from any kind of guidance, just having the connection gives you encouragement to continue. Pushes you to keep going. Is receiving and eating donated food essential to being a Buddhist or being a monk? Eating and what? Receiving and eating donated food. Is it essential for being a Buddhist? No. How to get motivated to meditate? I find myself making excuses all the time. Well, try and note those excuses. Note the state of mind that's making the excuses. You'll find that the answer lies there. Whatever it is that's keeping you from meditating, there's some emotion there. Once you've noted it, you'll find it much easier to do meditation. How do mind states like doubt fit into the six sense doors? Is it feeling? Doubt is one of the five hindrances. It's not one of the six senses. Oh, is it in the six senses? It's mental, I suppose. It's a mental object, but it doesn't really fit that way. It arises at the mind door, but it's a bit more te technical than that. It's really best categorized as one of the five hindrances. doesn't really matter which one it is. You just say doubting, doubting. That's it. This I'm not sure. It's not exactly about meditation. 
Don't be afraid to skip it. <laughs> or ask it. And don't I'll be ask afraid it then. If, um... I, might say, I might reserve the, the right to say pass if I don't want to answer something. But, you know, we're, we're answering most, right? I'm, I'm sorry? I'm answering all the ones you throw at me, so we're, we're doing well. Is uh, doing meditation to rewire key parts of your brain a good approach to this meditation technique? For example, studies have shown it directly shrinks the fear part of the brain with more meditation. It seems like an odd, I mean, yeah, I guess, but just, I wouldn't even, you know, it's just, it's not, it's not a bad, I'm not trying to be critical. It's just, um, it's kind of overthinking it. Like basically what you're saying to be a better person, let's stick to that, you know. If you start, concept because you're conceptualizing it as reducing the fear part of the brain, there isn't a fear part of the brain, first of all. There are parts of the brain, I'm sure, that are related, correlated with the arising of fear, but that's not a fear part of the brain. Fear is a mental quality. And yes, it relates, to, you know, everything mental relates to the body. But just think of it as reducing fear. Think of it more in terms of experiences. And don't be so goal-oriented either. Just focus on good qualities of mind with the reassurance that good qualities of mind and good states of mind are going to bring positive qualities in the future, positive habits and patterns, without trying to do anything like shrink anything. Is one form of meditation more beneficial than another? Sitting, lying down, or walking? No. Then another sitting. No, except that if you stay in one or another posture, it's probably not that healthy. Walking and sitting is a good balance, but you could also do standing, lying. It's fine. Walking is good because we eat, and then you know it's good for digesting your food and that sort of thing. It's good for it's good for exercising the body. It's good for stretching the body. Sitting all the time is not so healthy. When I'm noting something, it feels like I'm forcing the noting without mindfulness, which results in tightness in my throat. What should I do? I've tried to note feeling, but it keeps happening. That's fine. We're not in the business of trying to stop things from happening. If you feel tight, just keep saying it. If you don't, if you like it, or if you dislike it, say disliking, disliking. If you're worried about it or afraid, you see. Part of the practice is to see the unmanageable nature of things to see things uh, out of our control right you keep doing it it keeps coming back and you can't stop it from happening and so on until eventually it's not about making things go away eventually your mind stop stops clinging stops reacting stops fretting over what arises we're not trying to change the things that arise we're trying to change the way we re relate to them so when eventually you're okay and you're not bothered by the fact that this experience keeps happening, it loses its control over you. It's not because you're not reacting to it. Once it loses its control over you, you see you're, you're not feeding it anymore. And it slowly weakens and, and fades away. Is there a method of quelling the disdain from people who do not care to understand the disciplines disciplines involved in my daily practice 
Yeah, well, don't worry about other people. Just worry. Yeah, worry about your disdain. That's so good. I mean, read our booklet. Like everything else, disdain something you should try and see clearly. And you'll see how disdain is not pleasant, is not useful, is not beneficial. When I try to maintain mindfulness outside of the formal meditation sessions, I find that it is difficult to do this when I'm working, as my attention is fully with the task. Mm -hmm. How should I note this? Well, difficult is part of the practice. It's meant to be a challenge. You, know, you can't really note that. You just note when you can, what, what you can. And I mean, this isn't something you should expect to be good at. Nothing is, nothing that you have to train in. You don't train in sports because you're good at them. You train in sports because you're not good at them. And so you fail a lot. Train in anything because you're not good at it. Because it is challenging. Until you can do it and it's less challenging and you're better at it. Next question is similar being mindful during the day. I find it more difficult to focus and be mindful when I'm out in society. Usually there's too much going on and I get stuck. Any advice on dealing with overwhelming amount of stimulus? You could say overwhelmed, overwhelmed. But yeah, again, it's difficult. It's meant to... I mean, it's, it's a, that's how training works. You train in things that are difficult until they get easier. Don't be discouraged. What I'm trying to say is don't be discouraged by difficulty. Be encouraged that you're on the right track if something's difficult. That's where training should take place because it challenges you, it improves you. Um, this question, I'm not sure, but I'll ask. What is the best form of meditation to attain nirvana? Is it observation of one's breath? Read our booklet. I mean, I can't say it's the best, but I only have one way to, to teach, so I'm not going to go outside that. Mante, in Satipatthana meditation, do you sometimes advise students to change the technique of meditation when Dhamma Vichaya overpowers other Bojangas? I don't even know what that means. Do I advise for the first part? Do I advise people? Well, you know, we have a course that we lead people through, and yes, if someone has some some state of mind overpowering, we might encourage them to change. I don't know what you what it could possibly mean that Dhamma Vichaya overpowers. I mean, the ones on that side can overpower the ones on the other side which means you have too much energy. So you have to, at that time, calm the mind down. Usually the easiest way to do that is switch postures, do lying meditation instead. I've had experiences in meditation where all senses seem to be gone. I've heard of concepts of jhanas or even nibbana, 
However, I just feel like I may have just fallen asleep. I may have fallen asleep. Well, if you're asleep, you can't really, usually can't really be mindful. So don't worry about it. When you come back, just be mindful. Continue. I don't know if I should skip the question or ask you. <laughs> I'll ask you and then you could decide. Right. Doing only good and dwelling in infinity friendliness, metta, towards every living being in every day, live as often as possible. Is that a good approach to a divine rebirth or is it too banal? Maybe I should ask. Is it what? Too is it too banal? Too banal? Banal. Well, we're not in the business of telling people how to attain heavenly rebirth so much. I mean, it's not really a bad topic. It's just limited, of course. Um, but yeah, it's probably a good way to go about it. Not really. I don't know. That's fine. Simple question, simple answer. I'm learning about the silent illumination technique and I was wondering, should you use noting during that? I don't know what that is. Pass. I think you answered a very similar question earlier, but this one asks it a little differently. If the Pali Canon does not specify the exact method of meditation, then can someone keep their eyes slightly open regardless of why it's done? And it's done while walking already. Yeah, go ahead if you want to keep your eyes open. We recommend people to keep them closed. If you want to be a rebel, if you don't want to listen, that's fine. It's not terrible to do that. It's just not how we recommend it. You know, one thing is it's always better to do it the way it's taught because then you know you're not following your own partialities and you're giving your you're giving up your your own preferences. Sometimes we do things the way we want all the time, it's easy to get kind of lazy and partial and so on. When you do things the way someone else tells you to do them, you have to face your own ego and your own desire to control. You have to let go more. That's why it's good to time your meditations. A lot of people I know don't time their meditations, which is problematic. Because when you're not timing them, it's easy to just get into a rut where you're doing it the way you want to do it. But if you have a, always a set time, it forces you to deal with different conditions because your meditation is not always going to be the same. You're not always going to want to meditate the same amount of time, so it challenges you. fear should you say fearing or heart beating fast stomach pain etc yes all of those it's both the physical and the mental 
I mean, not all at once. Whatever's clearest, note it. But don't ignore, don't ignore one of those. They should all be valid objects of meditation. Isn't noting a way of controlling the mind? Doesn't it create a false sense of continuity self? No. No, noting is a way of reminding yourself that things are what they are. Controlling would be something quite different. I think people ask that sort of question because that's how it feels when you do it. When you do it, it, it feels, the, the mind immediately assumes that, okay, now we're going to try to control this. It has nothing to do with saying what something is, right? Just because you remind yourself, you say what something is, it doesn't have anything to do with controlling. It's just that, yeah, the mind sort of says, oh, okay, when you start to do it, it's like the mind is this dog that you, oh, now we're going to play fetch. No, no, we're not playing fetch. Oh, now we're going to play tug-of-war. No, we're not playing tug-of-war. Right? It's kind of like that. Mind is like a puppy dog, is it? It already knows what we're going to do, but that's not what we're going to do. So eventually, the mind, like the puppy dog, it, it learns. That's a follow up question. Uh, following up about the sixth sense doors, if all our experiences arises through the sixth sense doors, isn't doubt just thinking? When I experience doubt, it's always a thought. Isn't doubt thought content? No. no. Thought content is one thing, doubt is another. Doubt is a, is a reaction to the thought or an outcome of the thought. Doubt is the mental state of doubting. The sixth sense, I mean, you're just being too simplistic when you say, isn't it a thought? Well, no, not really. There, there's no thought isn't one of the six senses. There's something called Dhamma Ramana. Which is which the Buddha didn't say thought, he said Dhamma Ramana, which is the object of Dhamma. He used the word Dhamma to describe anything mental. It's a very specific use of the word Dhamma. But there it means something that is uh, mental content, mental experience. And, and it's kind of using the word there is to just say, uh, to point out how many different things it could be, how diverse mental content is. So he had to call it Dhamma. So doubt, of course, is in there, but it's really just saying anything mental. And, of course, doubt is mental. There are people saying thank you for the answers. Then the next question is, I've put a lot of effort in studying music and learning to dance. How could one wisely use wisely mundane talents or I'm not sure what this word is talents to progress in the Dhamma for the benefit of self and others yeah unfortunately or fortunately or however fortunately I suppose you could say we don't have to we're, we're, we're allowed to give up all of our talents sometimes we had talents before that we think oh it's a shame I'm not using that you don't have to feel bad about it you can throw away everything so fortunately, we don't have to. You don't have to feel bad about any of that, giving up everything. We don't have to be anything. You can be like a toad, nothing. 
Uh, toads are not not to pick on toads, but you don't have to be special. You don't have to have any talents. Can I mix mantra meditation technique with breathing meditation? You can do what you want. We have one technique, and I don't. I'm not going to stray from that. So. It's not adaptable. I mean, it is. You can adapt things as you, I'm sure many people do adapt as they see fit. But they're not part of our group. Well, or maybe they. I mean, it's it's not how I will teach you. You do what you want. I've only got one way to teach. And if you do a course with me, if your question were during a course with me, can I do that? The, or is it, the answer is absolutely not. You either my way or the highway. Really. I mean, you follow what the teacher says or you don't. It's too too problematic otherwise I mean it's it's a waste of potential time because uh, letting the student decide what, how they're going to practice is, is a recipe for disaster M More, much more often than not it's just a waste of their time because they're just experimenting out of lack of knowledge really as opposed to letting the teacher who has quite a bit of knowledge give them a proper guidance uh, it's it sort of smacks again as I was talking earlier of ego, the idea of knowing better, knowing best, or doing it my way, that sort of thing, conceit and all that. There's so many problems there. It's partiality. It's kind of laziness and the inflexibility. You know, doing it, wanting to do it your own way, and not being able to adapt to the way someone else tells you to do it. That it, before we even talk about which way is better. Just the intractability is a very bad quality. It's a very important negative quality of a student. That makes it hard for a teacher to teach. It makes it uh, makes a teacher disinclined to teach the student. And so, yeah, if, if you're doing a course with me, you absolutely have to do it the way it's told if you don't then we would if i found out i would i would stop the course i mean i would i tell you it's either do it our way or we have to stop the course not it's not like no offense or i'm not trying to be unfriendly it's just that's the way it is there's too many problems otherwise If mindfulness is worth cultivating, is love also worth cultivating? Less so than mindfulness. Mindfulness is much more powerful. I don't know, I mean, the word that we've talked about this before, I'm not even sure the word love is wholesome. I think it's you know, it's just a word, and yes, yes, there's some way of defining love that's wholesome, but I don't think it's a very good word to use. I think friendliness is a much better word to describe the wholesome aspects. Because if you actually... Um, if you're actually loving something, you know, I don't think there's any, I don't think it, it, there's any real, I don't think it, that's really a wholesome thing that you're describing. If you could somehow describe whole friendliness as love, then maybe. I, d I, I think the reason we use the word love is because of what we unwittingly identify as 
the thing we identify is a, is a thing we're unwittingly identifying an unwholesome thing if that makes any sense I'm not saying this right the thing which we're calling love is even though we think it's wholesome is probably unwholesome because it's probably strayed beyond friendliness even kindness to an attachment of sorts to a liking of sorts Right. Usually, love is considered a stronger form of like. Right? Well, if you like someone or something, that's already liking. That's already a state of clinging. It's just noting enough. Should one intervene when hindrances present themselves? Noting is enough if you're capable. Sometimes the hindrances get too strong and then you have to do something to support your noting practice. So I say generally no, noting is not enough. You need some other supports like actual formal techniques and so on. Changing postures. You need ethics and ethical principles, you need guidance, and you know, there's a lot of other things. Noting is really the core though, I mean the, the meditate the mindfulness practice. So I'm not quite sure about this question, but is it's not exactly about meditation, but is there a true self or no self at all? Let's get past I don't know. I mean, I've answered. I guess it's more that I've just answered that sort of question. I sh so I should probably answer it because some person asking it probably hasn't heard those answers. So, um, Buddha, I mean, I'll just say this: Buddhism isn't really in the business of determining what is and what isn't. Is there? Is there not? It's more about changing the way we. Uh, look at reality, the types of things that could exist. So if you see things the way the Buddha did, that sort of question doesn't even arise because it's not the sort of thing that could exist. It's not the sort of thing that is a part of the way of looking at the world that the Buddha had. Right? The way of looking at the world of the Buddha is uh, this experiential. And experiential point of view doesn't admit any sort of framework which would allow soul or God or anything like that. It's just not a part of that way of looking at the world. There's no things, there's no this is, that that is, this isn't, that isn't. There only are experiences that arise and cease. How important is being in the presence of a living guru? Is there any hope for those who are not so lucky? Yes, of course there is. You don't need to be in the living present presence. I mean, I don't mean to trivialize your question, but yes, absolutely. There is hope. It's good to have a teacher, but now we're so lucky to have so many ways to gain access to teachings. You don't have to be in the presence of a teacher. You can even read books, watch videos, listen to talks on on meditation. 
course, having interaction with the teacher is, is very valuable. It's, it is quite important. And so if you can, you should find a way to engage with the teacher. We have an at-home meditation course if you haven't heard of it and are interested in that sort of thing. We just connect using a, a voice call. bunch of questions that I'm not sure if it's exactly about the questions like how long would it take to be a sotapanna, those kind of things. Um, mm. If I should first maybe ask questions that are directly yeah, about meditation. Skip. I mean, you can ask them and I'll just yeah, say that okay. one, skip that one. You would? Yeah, how long? I mean, it's, I can't really answer that. It's, it's a question that can't be answered. This one—it's mm, not really. I don't know what. I notice I'm more aware of the thoughts and feelings of others, and I see their defilements. This disturbs me, and I fear also they could see mine. Hmm. Well, I'll say afraid, afraid, disturbed, disturbed. Focus more on your own state. What to do when you can't note everything that arises? Sometimes I focus on feelings, but then suddenly notice mind stuff arising and it's a lot. Should I still not note feeling, but be mindful of mind as well? Note whatever's clearest. Doesn't matter. Don't stick with one thing just because you're sticking to one thing. Note whatever one is clearest. Once you've noted it, then go back to the rising, falling. Try to go back to the body. And when something else takes your attention, note it. There's another question about being mindful. It, it is difficult for me to stay mindful when there are constant demands, kids, pets, school, work, cooking, laundry. Any advice for being constantly busy and staying mindful? Practice, training. I have no, you know, there's no pill, there's no quick fix. It's training, work, practice, patience, skill. Think of it as a skill you're developing. Spend as much time as you can training in it and you'll find yourself getting better at it. Says there's a buzzing noise, but no one else is saying anything, so I guess it's okay. Who's there? There's a slightly buzzing sound, but I think it was just one person's. Well, that didn't help. <laughs> a buzzing noise, huh? But you maybe we can, if if there is a buzzing noise, could mm, someone could else people, let us yeah, know? Yeah, let us know, then we can fix it. Most likely something's buzzing. I can just say hearing, hearing. If one is mindful, why would one have to consider wholesomeness? Hmm. 
it's an odd, a bit of an odd question. So, I mean, if I take this question literally, then of course the answer is you don't have to consider anything if you're mindful. But that's not really how it works. You aren't just mindful. It's more like when you're trying to be mindful. Well, wholesomeness is a very important part of being mindful. Mindfulness. You, the, Buddha, the Buddha, I don't know, my teacher said once, or many times actually, that, and he quoted, I think it was the Buddha or Ananda or something, I think the Buddha, that you can't, you can't talk about wholesomeness without talking about mindfulness. You haven't properly described wholesomeness unless you've included mindfulness in there. So they're not really uh, separate, separatable. You don't you don't have to spend time really thinking about wholesomeness if your focus is mindfulness. See the thing about being mindful is you'll start to see what is wholesome and what is unwholesome, what is beneficial, what is harmful. So it's it's not like oh I'm mindful, I'll never have to think about wholesomeness. It's more like as you're mindful, you're much more clear about what is wholesome and unwholesome, and wholesomeness becomes much more a part of your your perception. You start to perceive everything in terms of it being wholesome or unwholesome. Not everything, but those things that are wholesome or unwholesome. It becomes much more a part of your perspective. Whereas before you might have just said, is it, you know, is it going to get me what I want? Or is it not going to get me what I want? Or uh, is this going to be what people, maybe sometimes it's, is this going to make people look at me, you know, uh, in a good way is this going are people going to like me if i do this or something reasons for doing things so all of that changes rather than thinking of all the ways we decide what to do our ways of deciding what to do become whittled down to is it wholesome or is it not wholesome practice mindfulness meditation during the day per the prescribed steps and have a separate meditation session at night where I practice Kriya Cobra breath. Do you see a conflict with this approach? I don't know what that is. I wouldn't wouldn't I wouldn't recommend anything that I, I don't know. I don't know what that is. Let's leave it at that. I can't, and, and even if I did, I can't really recommend anything except our technique. It's not that, so when I see a conflict, sometimes, you know, again, it depends if I knew what it was. But I would rather not comment on that, because I'm not omnipotent to understand what are the results, and, and oh, sorry, I'm omniscient. And I certainly can't tell what your condition is to know what you should be doing or shouldn't be doing. I only prescribe this technique. I'm sorry, I can't be more help, but I really can't be. There's, there's a note. It's not a comment, not a question, one day, but your arms round video has become the most popular video on my channel. Many are asking me about... Are you saying ASMR? Is it? I'm sorry? 
Uh, what did you say? Arms? Ar arms round video. Oh, arms round. Oh, yeah, that's right. Okay. Mm. Who is that? Sanka. Oh, okay. Yeah, he recorded that. What's yeah. the question? The, it's not a question, but oh. I guess it's just a. Many are asking me about how to offer your arms, but nobody still asks me about what you teach. <laughs> They're like, oh. Is it fine to practice meditation purely for psychological reasons? For example, to deal with depression, stress? Yes, that's what it's for. Psychological means relating, I don't know how do you define psychological, it definitely relates to the psyche, which means the mind. So yes, that's all it is. It's all about the mind, purification of the mind. We just use different words like purification. I like our words better. I mean, problems like, there is a bit of a problem with labeling things as depression and so on. I know the psycholo the Western community likes to put labels on things and finds that helpful. I think it's not. I think you're much better off to, I mean, it's useful when your tools are limited to a Western context, but when you have tools to actually deal with the momentary states and break things up, it's m so much more useful and saying, I have depression, etc. Because you really don't. There's just patterns in the mind, and those patterns are much more complicated than saying depression. They're much more complex and intricate and nuanced and changing, you know? fluid. Depression is either is binary, either you have it or you don't, right? It's, I mean, it's mostly binary. But reality isn't binary. Reality is mind states. And they come they turn into patterns, and those patterns become stronger or weaker, and they're conflicting with other patterns and so on. Is right effort in dealing with the five is not right effort in dealing with the five hindrances of utmost importance? Right effort should be coupled with right mindfulness and of course right concentration you shouldn't apply effort to the hindrances you should apply effort in conjunction with mindfulness that's all when the hindrances arise you apply both effort and mindfulness it really just means being effortful in your mindfulness put, put up the effort to be mindful basically and when you say to yourself liking, liking, there's effort and mindfulness involved how often should someone meditate every day well at least some every day more than zero I guess is the answer I kind of like to suggest these days one to two hours. I mean, of course, more than that if you can, but an hour a day is sort of pretty good minimum, I think. Minimum that you should work to, at least. This, uh, this question is also not about meditation, but I'll ask him. 
why is there so much evil and suffering in the world? I think it's just habit, you know. There's always going to be good and evil because habits are... Well, no, it's because blindness. There's always going to be good and evil because of blindness. When people are not blind. They can incline in one direction or another. But because of blindness, it's all quite random. So sometimes good, sometimes bad, and there's cycles and chaos. We're not able to commit very well to one or another course, so we flail around, sometimes good, sometimes bad. And that's probably not the answer you're looking for, but there's not much more answer I can give. I mean, we're not really in the business of saying why things are the way they are. We're much more in the business of dealing with them. There's a question about um, if the technique is similar to another meditation, could I ask that? And mm. No, let's skip no. it. Okay. That's not really useful. Does self-inquiry appear in Buddhism? Is this considered a direct path to enlightenment? This is considered a direct path to enlightenment in non-duality. Any neurophysiological markers that we reached the enlightenment or deepest of meditation? Makers or markers, I guess. I don't even understand what you just said. <laughs> what, was, what, what is it? Is there, I think they said makers, but it may be markers that they mean is any markers, any. neurophysiological markers that we reach the enlightenment or deepest of meditation. Hmm. Well, freedom from suffering, freedom from defilement, freedom from unwholesomeness, wisdom, these are the markers. I find that when labeling things as they arise during meditation, the labeling is a thought in itself. This keeps me from seeing the full contents of what I'm observing. Any advice? Keep labeling? Yeah, you're doing fine. That's the purpose, to stop you from getting caught up in the contents. And yes, it is a thought. It's meant to be a thought. It's meant to replace any other thoughts you might have about the experience. It's meant to straighten out your train of thought. So that instead of reacting, you're just reminding, you're just experiencing with complete objectivity. It is what it is. That's the whole point of it. 
it is artificial, it's meant to be artificial. It's like a rope to pull the tree. Tree is leaning in the wrong direction, you just start pulling. You use a rope and start pulling and the tree will eventually lean in the other direction. Is your technique vipassana meditation? Yes. Satipatthana vipassana. That's how we like to talk about it because you're not actually practicing vipassana. That's not how it works. Vipassana is the result of the practice of satipatthana. Good questions, mostly. It's amazing how every week we can still have good questions. How many questions have I answered? Well, how many times we've done this? A lot of them are repeat questions. But that's not the point. That's not a problem. I think I've heard some people say, oh, it's just the same questions over. Yes, but it's new people. And they haven't heard these answers. And that's why doing it live is so useful. I, I ran out of steam to do uh, videos about topics and so on. I know people like those, I think, even more, but those are the old people who don't need to hear. They just want to hear. New people need to hear, and they need to hear things that all the old people have already heard. I find this more beneficial. How does meditation remove greed, ignorance, and anger? Is the removal of those hindrances as a result of moral living that is eightfold path or a result of meditation? I mean, it's really one and the same. A real good way of living is involves mindfulness. That they really you can't just expect to conventionally live a good life without being mindful. Again, mindfulness is necessary for true and proper wholesomeness. anyone who thinks they can be a good person without mindfulness is in for a rude awakening hopefully because hopefully they don't say stay in that wrong understanding how are we doing we're almost getting to the end all right because we're an hour so let's stop it. Let's say no more questions there. Whatever's left, we'll answer. Are long vipassana re retreats, retreats, meditating all day long, necessary for enlightenment, or can one meditate one to two hours a day with dedication? I can't. It's much more individual than that. You, no one can say what, what's going to what it's going to take for you to become enlightened. Not unless you're a Buddha. Uh, but but it's absolutely not necessary for everyone to do a, an intensive course. It's just much more likely to to bring lasting change. Much more reliable. Doing one or two hours a day very much depends on you. That being said, uh, generally if people do one to two hours a day and, and more importantly if they're actually with, doing it with a teacher and able to go through all the steps 
you know, they can gain some some basic understanding and potentially go on to become enlightened on their own. They can get a good foundation. Please suggest some books on Satipatthana Sutta. There's a book called The Way of Mindfulness. It's the Satipatthana Sutta with the commentary, all in English. So definitely worth reading. You can just find it on the net. There's a there's a an HTML copy. The Way of Mindfulness. Uh, anything by Mahasi Sayadaw. He wrote some books on Satipatthana Vipassana. The way of mindfulness by Somatera that mm. you have. Also, I wrote a booklet. You're welcome to read that. It's not much of a book, but mindfulness isn't something you learn from books. You're not going to get what you're looking for probably in the books. You're much more likely to get it from practicing. I mean, not much more likely. You're going to get much, much more from actually practicing it which is why the booklet is short and just a description of how to practice. Is physical pain the same as suffering? The suffering is used in different contexts. Physical pain is a type of suffering. Suffering is used to mean different things in different contexts. Why do I get more impatient and short-tempered if I meditate? Because it forces you out of your comfort zone. I mean, it, it forces you into situations that your mind is likely to react to. In situations where you're forced to stay with unpleasant experiences, which makes you irritable and upset. That's temporary. I mean, that's the point. That's the purpose, to challenge you and to see how you react and to learn about your reactions. Now the whole point of that is to be mindful of your, your reactions and your experiences so that you break that chain of habit of getting irritated and upset. If you were always in your comfort zone where things were peachy keen, were you know, pleasant and agreeable, you'd never learn that. You'd never learn how to overcome it. You'd never learn a new way. You'd never learn how stressful it was to get upset. You have to see it. That being said, it's not always like that. Meditation can make you very peaceful and so on. You'll see it changes, especially as you get better at it. But mostly as you become a better person. For some people, if they're good people, when they meditate, they say, wow, when I meditate, why am I so kind and peaceful? Unfortunately, we're not all like that. We don't all take that into the meditation. So we're very much challenged by it sometimes. And we see a lot of bad things come up. Because we're in a position to see them. And we're not in a position to follow them or appease them. No, enough. More they can wait. They can come back. How many people do we have watching? Uh, 
sure where I see that oh, on the video. Oh, no, I don't know. On the YouTube page. Anyway, thank you all for coming. I appreciate all of you, your interest and your good, good intentions, your wholesome mind states in coming here. Wish you all the best. Peace, happiness, and freedom from suffering. Thank you. said 73. Oh, I think it's the second stream. In the top left of it.